Welcome to For the Love of God podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! Oh yeah. Boys, I'm fired up this week. Why is that? Well, I cut that off a little soon. Uh, just because, man, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. So it's not just because it's hot outside. No. Okay. I rode the bike today. That was nice. Nice ride and sunshine. And, uh, how, and we're how, not talking a 12-speed here, I assume. No, it's a motorcycle. Okay, there you go. All right, so now's your chance to brag. What kind of motorcycle do you got? I do not boast. We'll leave that a secret. No, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a Harley. I mean, <laughs> is there any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> So the owners of the Ducati might think so. I <laughs> right. There's the Indian. Did you know? You, did you guys know that we actually have the motorcycle Hall of Fame here in Pickerington, Ohio? Yes, we do. Oh it's, yeah. It's it, not well known. In fact, I, I don't do have know that anyone from Pickerington has actually been there. I've yeah. never been there. But. Yeah, I took my best friend there. He's a Harley guy, so he we went over there. It's it's very centered around like the AMA. So if you're a, a motorcyclist and they're, it's more focused on the racing side of motorcycling, oh, okay. but they do have a number of different bikes from the different makers and over a period of time, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I well, I should clarify. It was pretty cool. The day we were in there, the air conditioning was out, so it wasn't very cool. <laughs> I had plans to go there and something made them not work out, but Folks, welcome back to the show. This is Jason, your host of For the Love of God podcast, and I am here with Pastor Rick Rieger. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you right hallelujah. now. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm going to give me a new theme song. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> hey, you don't have to deal with mine. Dude, I love it. And Nathan Jewell. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Can't you see I'm white and nerdy? Look at me, I'm white and nerdy. Oh, and of course, there's Jason. That's not me, but it's funny. That's the only reason I put it on there. Um, Nathan, I just want you to know how much I value your nerdiness. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, honestly, guys, the balance of this team is as close to perfect as you can get. You have the intellectual. I don't know if I, I mean, was an intellectual. <laughs> the, uh, he practically wrote the Webster's dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then well, you have the pastor, which keeps me straight for one thing. Um, his knowledge of the Bible, both of them actually, but I mean, it's, it's extremely valuable. I mean, our audience is it going to take us too seriously if it was three of me? <laughs> I don't think they're going to take us very seriously with just the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm learning all every day. I'm in the word. So, but, and then you have me, I'm kind of the uh, rebel. I bring, I bring, I bring kind bring of the, the passion. I bring the passion, the, the entertainment. Passion. There you go. <laughs> um, 
You know, so, there's a good rebel and there's a bad rebel. I mean, yeah. you know, John the Baptist was kind of a rebel, right? Yeah. And uh, that, that was good. He was considered, you know, Jesus said. I would say nobody. Jesus was kind of a rebel. Well, I, depends on. I mean, certain situations. Yeah. He was definitely. While he, he rebelled against the world, he did not that, rebel against the Father. Right. So all, I, exactly that's right. Absolutely. Exactly what I meant. Perspective. Exactly what I meant. So, folks, in this episode, uh, Would You Rather, of course, I think it's one of your all's favorites. I've been getting a lot of great feedback on on the game, so we're going to continue to roll with it. Um, news with Nathan. Uh, he talks about the rogue drone. Stay tuned for that to find out more. Our topic this week is the lukewarm church and another round of Bible Jeopardy where yours truly will go against last week's loser, Nathan. And by last loser, I didn't loser. mean, I didn't mean oh like my. loser. Oh, that's harsh. Oh, I know. That's uh, hard. Hey, let me rephrase it. My back. Let I me. Think it was just twisted. Let me. I mean, you lost. <laughs> you know, I feel like in the last episode when we started, I felt bad, and now you're going to feel bad. Yeah. Oh, man. So Nathan, I mean, let's reword it. Last week, <laughs> Nathan was defeated. In the gauntlet. Way. <laughs> the gauntlet was thrown down. I can go. I personally <laughs> that so. <laughs> Anyway, oh my uh, goodness, and I will go head to head against him, and then the winner of that bout will go against the winner of last week's bout, which is Rick, and we'll have an ultimate champion. So, at least for three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be awesome. So, on that note, let's play a little. Would you rather? Would you rather? All right. All right. So I think in light of the fact that um, our friend Jason here is very much into food, uh, being that uh, in his, when he's not making podcasts is uh, chefing. Uh, is that a, a terminology? I, I like yeah. to use it. I don't think it's real. But I, it's real. Chefing? Chefing. Okay, good. I've heard it quite a few times. All right. Very good. <laughs> so uh, we'll go ahead and start with, uh, in fact, we might do a couple of food ones here. Would you rather sample the wine that Jesus made? That's got to be better than like Martini and Rossi and all that good mm -hmm. stuff. Or the manna from heaven that God the Father made. Well, so I'm not much of a wine guy. Uh, I'm not much of a drinker. Mm -hmm. uh, usually I'm pretty much limited to like a Mike's hard lemonade or something like that. And that's about as far as I go. Nerd. <laughs> 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 now that being said, I did get a chance to try some Blantons. That was pretty good. Um, but because I'm not much of an alcohol person, I will say uh, I'm going to go with the manna. Mm. A man after my own heart. No. <laughs> oh, where's that thing when I need it? Anyway, you're going with the manna because God made it. Because it's not alcohol. Oh, well, God made it, made both technically. That's you what know, I was going to say. It's, yeah. like, it's technically, I, I, you know, I can't even really say who made the manna. I mean, I, you know, might not have been God, the father. He might've said Jesus as a man of speaking. <laughs> and a I, I got a million of them. Oh Lord. He'll be, in, he'll be in the air all day. Don't make me roll up my sleeves. Um, okay, so I'm definitely going with the wine because I am a wine drinker. I'm not a drunkard, mind you. 
I have, I split a bottle of wine with my wife with some cheese and some meat. And we don't get drunk. (laughs) We get warm, period. (laughs) And it's very seldom. So I like wine. I love wine. I love wine with my food. When I have a nice dinner, I'm going to have wine. Yeah, but you also got a chef's palate. It's true. I do not. It's true. And, yeah. oh, we have cooking lessons coming up, don't we? We just had a I'm conversation not, about yeah, that. And you know this is good wine because basically everybody said, wait a minute. Don't you always save the, be- you know, save, or don't you always get the best stuff in the beginning? And then, you know, later when people have had a lot to drink, you bring out the cheap junk. Because yeah. then they don't notice. Right. And now you're bringing the good stuff. So it, it must it have been ha- It has good. to be pretty amazing. It must have been. I, I don't know. The Old Testament didn't say anything about, about what the manna tasted like. Well, no, it didn't. But my question is, how good was that wine? Not, not particularly Jesus' Jesus's wine, but the wine in general in that time. I mean, okay. Today's wine mm-hmm. is well cared for. It's, it's cured and fermented in specific barrels for specific times and you have all these different things they're adding to it blackberries and pepper and just cherries and just different stuff to enhance flavors and give you different notes um then it was just grapes stomped by bare feet not necessarily the cleanest bare feet either we'll just throw that exactly out not definitely not the cleanest beer so, feet. so you know you wine could, overall back which then, brings no to really its own well this stuff here we know is made in probably uh ju- well not jugs but um, um pots yeah pots. pots it wasn't like even so. wood then yeah and it was made from water and and jesus's feet never touched it i don't i don't think so no. i think it'd be okay well, yeah I, I was talking so, in, yeah, in I general i know so i think you know now jesus's wine I mean, and I'm sure it was off the charts. The notes were off the charts. That's for sure. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going with the wine for sure. All right. So, and I am going to go with manna and that is because I just don't care for the taste of wine anymore. Mm. I I used to, well, when I was in the military, I lived in Germany and I did sample the wine. Then I was not certainly a heavy drinker. I've never had a good beverage from Germany. Okay, well, you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say I sampled a lot of their stuff. I didn't at first because I, you know, when I grew up, I was, I grew up in a church where if you tasted alcohol, you were sinner going straight to hell. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is not necessarily biblical. The Bible doesn't necessarily teach that. It teaches about drunkenness. Um, In fact, there's places where people were encouraged to drink a little Mm -hmm. wine with, you know, their food because of, you know. The fact that it was good for your health yeah. a little bit goes a long way, Absolutely. though. Um, so, you know, and, you know, obviously Jesus, you know, changed water into wine. I'm sure he would not have done that. I doubt today he would change, say, you know, s- sugar into cocaine. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, you know, I, I, I think it was probably okay. But, you know, and, and I'm saying that the taste of it was pretty decent back then. But I would certainly, if he would have changed water into beer, I'd have definitely tried that. But I think I'm going to try the manna. Just, just to see, you know, that, that stuff, they were eating it for a while. And so it yeah. had to, you know, it, I mean, it must've been pretty, yeah, I don't know. I think he probably made something pretty tasty. Yeah, I'm sure he did. So from my, from my perspective, um, I've never been much of an alcohol guy. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I had an aunt who literally pickled her liver at age 38. Mm-hmm. So 
sin can be. And it, it leaves an indelible impression. Yeah, overindulgence as a whole is not good for us. When we overindulge in food, we become, you know, we tear up our innards, we tear up our arteries, we we have too much weight on us that, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. All right, uh, would you rather witness the uh, fire coming down from heaven to at the dedication of the temple, or would you rather witness the tongues of fire coming down on those first disciples on the day of Pentecost. The fire of heaven, what was the first one? At the dedication of the temple, when uh, God when came down and filled down. the temple as a fire, and it would that would be pretty magnanimous to see. That's like a big light show. Can I or have a third option? Uh, <laughs> I want to know this- when, when the fire descended for Elijah on the... Uh, Against the priests of all. <laughs> that is not an option in this particular <laughs> round. We can try another round. Mm. All right. So I guess I would be um, probably at the, the upper room. Fire or fire? I'd want to see the upper room just because I want to see the the 12 disciples. I've always wondered like what happened to them because m- mo- much of church history is, it doesn't really say or it's been controlled in such a manner that it's kind of been lost to antiquity um but i would love to know like which one went where and where they wound up taking their ministries and how Mm. they did how they ended and not have to rely on the official answer from the the church that was in power at the time all right okay good enough how about you sir i think the fire on the temple because i mean it's fire either way and fire is cool. So you can't really go wrong, but just God saying, here's my temple. And then let's, I'm going to give you a show and lighten it up, lighten it up. I mean, that's probably pretty magnificent. All that's right. The and best example of like old Testament fireworks. Yeah. Right there. I know. Right. Yeah. I guess I would probably, I would probably, I'm a little bit with Nate on this one. I probably would want to, cause there's, you know, there's more to it than just the fire from heaven. There's the fact that I'd like to kind of see that whole first miracle, you know, yeah. the whole speaking did in other languages. Did they actually speak in tongues or did other people just understand it in different languages? Yeah. Like, did they? I, I, want, I want to know, yeah. like, how did that actually work So it'd be kind of nice. I, I mean, you know, we, we have our thoughts of what it was like, but I would like to be there. So that'd be cool. From what I understand, okay, when Jesus returns, the second coming, um, he is going to speak to all nations and he will be speaking in one language, but every nation will understand what he's saying. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You follow I me? You. I follow or will him. he speak in every language at the same time? And that's, <laughs> and it, technically uh, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a situation where it has to be both or, or either. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the history of man with the tower of Babel, we, we had one language up to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Tower of Babel dispersed the people and gave them multiple languages. So Maybe it's he'll entirely go back to possible the initial, he'll go back to the initial language. And somehow and we all it. understand it. Very mind-blowing. Theory. Mm-hmm. Clearly a theory, but just something to think Don't about. think too hard because you'll hurt yourself. I think I may have. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to move on to okay. the next one. Um, would you rather... Last one, be a disciple of Jesus Christ, so one of the 12, or 
Would you rather be an Old Testament prophet and have God speak through you? Holy smoke, dude. That's a, that's a good one. Mm. If I'm being selfish. Ah, I think I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. <laughs> I would rather be one of the 12 disciples. Why? Because the Old Testament prophets were not treated very well. They had a tough way to go. But then again, we, we don't, as you were just saying, we don't really know technically the way of all those, uh, all the disciples, but they were, it, it was bad times for the church there at first. Well, oh the, yeah. And, uh, they, you know, they very well, I mean the, you know, the history, well, the, the tradition says that they were all but one, I think, or were only, they all? Only one of them died of old age. Yeah. That the rest were martyred. And that was John. And that is. And, uh, and, and according to church, uh, I don't want to say history because it's not the church right tradition. Tradition. Yeah. Uh, Peter was uh, put on a cross, but he said, "I don't, I don't deserve this." So they hung him upside down on the cross. Wow. So I think both would have been difficult. You know, face it. You follow God. Yeah, but you're at least take you get to hits. watch. You get to walk with Jesus for three years. Yeah. That would be cool. It'd be pretty powerful, though. To and then and then speaking his name because they spoke so boldly. Yeah. But you get the best teacher of all time. Yeah. I, I mean, he took 12 nobodies and turned the world upside down. It's true. But, you know, then again, uh, God used, uh, God spoke directly into these prophets, too, and spoke directly into the world. I mean, these were, yeah. If it wasn't for the prophets, no one would believe the Bible. Oh, yeah. It's their, that's, that's the, the proof. supernatural aspects of yeah. the, that's the proof because it's an un- unassailable truth that what they prophesied came true in several situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they all have pretty sizable mansions in heaven. I'm going to guess that as we walk down the golden streets, there's going to be, it's going to be who, obvious who the. <laughs> it's probably going to be the major prophets and the yeah. minor prophets, kind of like how we classify them. Right. That's right. I but mean, then again, if I get to go to heaven, I'll just, you know, I don't mind being in the suburbs or even out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere. As long as I'm in heaven, that'd be okay. Yeah. I mean, prophecies, how I got hooked. So what are you going to choose there, Sir Jason? Walking with Jesus. Um, So what answer did you think I was going to give? Well, I will say say my answer because I thought that's where you were heading. Okay, go ahead. Um, I would want to be a specific one, and that would be John because of Revelation and how he got to either physically or spiritually go to heaven and see signs of the future, which is a prophecy in itself. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get a prophet, you, you're our prophet and a disciple. Oh, mm. pulls that trump card. <laughs> yeah, I told see you not to roll my there. sleeves up. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I hands down, I would definitely in for a, a plethora of reasons. Uh, one of which the, Old Testament prophets were abused pretty heavily and, and ignored, but certainly seeing the fulfillment of prophecy and being one of those disciples and being at the feet of Jesus every day had to have been like just the most awesome thing. Uh, you know, granted, they, they still, 
they were still babies. They, you know, a lot of times they didn't recognize stuff. He was like, you know, why do I have to put up with you guys? But still being one of those 12 would have just been awesome. Now, you know, if you listened in last week, you know, I picked, I picked growing up with Cain and Abel versus growing up with Jesus. That's as a kid. But when he's in his ministry, I want to be there mm-hmm. the whole time. So, yeah, hands down, that would win for me. The only thing I wouldn't like is all the walking. <laughs> I will say, Rick, I really appreciate you using the word plethora. I mean, it <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can almost uh, <laughs> give you the nerd button. Big I think, word but of the day. I think you guys missed me on that one. The word You button. didn't hear everything I said. I appreciate you using the word plethora. It means a lot. Ah, <laughs> boom, boom, tink. Dang, dude. Yes. Okay. You got another one? But, you know, there's here's a bonus one. Here's All a bonus. Right, we got one. a bonus. Would, would one. you rather eat honey out of a dead lion <laughs> or <laughs> or eat honey with on locusts? <laughs> okay. First of all, how did the honey get into the dead lion? <laughs> I don't have a clue. It's a dead lion and, you know, uh, he killed the lion and then somehow you know, bees basically made it into a hive. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, it has to be, yeah. right? And so then he went back and he found the honey in there. So, he ate some out of, so would you want to eat the honey out of a dead lion I'm or going, eat it with some locust? I'm going with the locust because they're fresh, right? Blech. Dude, crunchy. bugs are good. They're, they're crunchy. They're nutty. <laughs> they buttery. They slide down the throat real nice. Terri- <laughs> you seem like you're talking from experience. I've had bugs. Oh. This terrifies me that the chef is telling us. That. <laughs> it's true. You might want to tell our audience where you work so they won't show up. <laughs> Actually, well, don't I don't bugs. serve bugs. <laughs> <laughs> but some some bugs are good. I mean, I've tried them, but um, it's not on my di- diet. Um, I have to. I am proudly a non-bug eater. Now I've never tried bru- uh, bugs. <laughs> I've never tried drugs, illegal that is, and I've never tried bugs. No uh, bugs two things drugs. I'm proud of. Well, you got to think that if the lion is dead long enough for bees to find it and build a <laughs> house and then make honey <laughs> in their house, it's a very, rancid. very dead lion. It's got to be rancid. And honestly. I'm surprised that even, okay, so I've seen on nature shows, I've seen like um, time lapse of a dead elephant. Have you ever seen this? No, I it's haven't. It's remarkable. So they had a time lapse of the dead, a dead elephant and how the ecosystem works. When the elephant dies, all of these different creatures of the world come and eat away, take what they need. They all have jobs. The ants come, this comes, that comes, versus the hyenas and and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And you got all of these creatures that are contributing to the ecosystem and the departure of this elephant, okay. where at the end, it was just bones. All the animals and creatures and bugs and stuff, they all used that elephant for their survival down to the bone. It was amazing. That's God's design right there. 100%. I will add this. I did a quick little uh, Google foo. How long does it take bees to make a hive? A colony of bees may establish a functional hive with comb in about a month. Mm. Depending on factors such as species, colony size, and availability of food. Well, I'm not eating month-old meat that's been laying out. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm probably going to go with uh, Jason. I'm going to suck that locust down and... Just hope and pray that I don't taste it much and that I can sleep through the night. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably be surprised. How about you, sir? Nate? 
What are you gonna choose? What are you gonna choose? Oh, honey from the lion or honey from the wild locusts? Honey with the wild locusts. You yeah. gotta eat them together. You gotta eat them together. It's what John the Baptist did. Yeah, that's that. That's Do I have to wear a sackcloth when I eat it? <laughs> you wear anything you want. Oh, I'd say honey with honey on the locusts is much better than honey the locusts without the honey. Okay. okay. I, I would do the locust and the wild honey. Yeah. I thought that would be an easy one. That's why yeah. it was the bonus. I mean, right. yeah. The smell ugh, alone. Yeah, that, that would be. However, crap. however, I just had a thought. By the time the bees created this. The smell may be gone. That lion is just bones. Maybe. Potentially. The honeybee, honey hive is in, in the, it's within the rib cage of this lion. How long did it take the elephant to, to be completely digested? Oh, I don't know. On the video, ten minutes, but oh, okay, it was okay. it was time lapse, so it was over a period of time. But now, if I'm, if it's I'm been not, a long time since I've seen it. If I'm not it. incorrect, I think I think he actually killed this lion. So this happened in a fairly short order. It wasn't like years. Okay, so our theory of bees creating a hive there is false. May not be applied. And yeah. God put the honey in the lion. I just don't know. So he can have something to eat. Or it could very well have been that the lion had just eaten like a hive with honey in it. Ah, like that. that's another. I mean, the whole, I mean, if he Either just way, killed I'm a lion, anything that come out of a lion's it, stomach, if he just killed a lion, <laughs> then why not eat the lion meat? Now lion meat, I'm all about, I mean, I don't know what it tastes like. I'm not a bad lion, but you know either. what? What's the weirdest thing you've had? I am meat meatitarian. Oh, what is the weirdest hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest meat I've ever had? Yeah. It uh, actually says it was a carcass. Okay. Carcass. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Yeah. Carcass. Mm. Yep. So um, how long does it have to be dead to be officially a carcass? Look that it's up. It's just got to be dead, right? It's just got to be dead. Yeah. So just dead. Been, so it could be freshly dead. Yeah. Ah. Uh, weirdest meat I've ever had? Yeah. Probably. I don't know if you'd consider snail meat. I guess that's not as a bug. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. Is it a meat? That's the weirdest. That was. Yeah. That's probably the. I consider that pretty darn weird. You know. Ice cargo. I mean, you know, I've had it's a delicacy. I, you know, I've had like it's delicious the, the calamar. Hope you know, he had a that, good that's, snail. But I don't consider that weird. Did you enjoy it? Uh, the snail? No. Yeah. No. Calamari, yes. <laughs> snail, no. It was gross. Okay. It, the texture was just... Uh, Where'd you have it at? Um, it was a... Uh, well, oh, goodness. It was a seafood buffet at oh. a fairly... There's your first mistake. It was a fair... Well, it was an exotic seafood buffet okay. at the La Meridian Hotel... In Germany? New Orleans. No, no, in New Orleans. Okay. I don't know. I encourage you to try it again at a fine dining restaurant, <laughs> white tablecloth, made correctly by a chef, made to order, not a buffet. See. Big difference. Uh, it's night and day. Probably. I encourage you. Makes sense. They're actually Maybe. tasty. Maybe someday. Uh, it's mainly the sauce that they're in that makes it so good, which is like a, a, a several things. I I'm just going to order a bottle of snail sauce. There now. you go. <laughs> snail sauce. <laughs> and put it on some hamburger. <laughs> what about you? What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Well, specifically, you said meat, so that's where I'm oh, Okay, meat. Meat. Okay, do you have, you anything, have you eaten anything weirder? Weirder than, than snails? Uh, Non-meat? Uh, anything? I can't really think of any. Okay. Off so top of my head. I'm trying to think like what's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten? 
Squid would be up there. Um, Which isn't weird at all. No. It's just not weird that It's a, almost on every menu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's another Which thing. Which is if calamari. It's yeah, calamari. If it's made well, it can be great. And if it's made poorly, it can be the most awful. It's oh, like eating if, yeah, hose. If you cook it too long, it's <laughs> tough and chewy. Right. I'd just as soon go to my garden hose and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Um. <laughs> yeah. Just slice up some garden hose. Right. And- <laughs> This is calamari. I can't really think of anything. It's got snail crazy. sauce on it, so it's They're good. I, I, I did spend Alligator. some time in the Philippines, and they tried to get me. Uh, apparently, this is something that they do with uh, the the visitors over there. They're like, "Oh, you got to try balut. It's so good." And balut is apparently a fertilized dead duck egg. That's just not good. That's nasty. It's. I didn't need it. Oh. Because once I found out, I'm like, nope, I'm done. Right. But there are some really interesting things, and that's considered a delicacy over there. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. So it's not something where I would, uh, I don't want to badmouth it or anything. I've never tried it. It's so. like rotten Rocky Mountain oysters. You know what that is? I do not. I'm assuming it has something yeah, to do you with don't. Uh, Is that safe? Yeah, like bull testicles. <laughs> is that safe for the whole family? I've never had those. No. <laughs> Oh, you know, I just realized I actually have had squirrel brain. Really? I have. Oh. I, I just now remembered it. When I was a kid, I used to go hunting with my grandparents yeah. and my dad, and we shot squirrels, and my grandmother, she had us eating the brains, and I tried that, and tongue. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we pretty much- Squirrel tongue? The whole squirrel, yeah. I don't, it's weird. Is that why you identify as a squirrel? I think so. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> that may be, I might beat me because <laughs> yeah. that's nasty. <laughs> I've had venison. Did you like it more than the escargot? <laughs> uh, you know, it, I'll be honest. Is it, it was cooked? so long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was cooked. I mean, it, I've it, heard it, of chilled monkey brains. Let's just put it this way. I didn't notice it <laughs> tasting I don't think it's cooked. weird at all. Okay. Uh, I thought the thought was weird, but I didn't, it didn't taste weird to me. Right. I actually figured out something weird that I've eaten. Okay. It was pig's head. Pig's head. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's meat in the, the 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 head of a pig. Right. I had this when I was in the Philippines, and it was delicious. I have it again, but I don't know what about what it is about pigs, but they really turn out some good stuff. I mean, you know, pigs yeah. are great. Bacon for crying out loud. Um. So I had. I guess the strangest thing I've ever had was a thousand year egg at a Chinese restaurant. A thousand year egg. What? Explain. What is a thousand year egg? They bury it in the ground. They take an egg from a chicken. They bury it in the ground for a thousand years. They dig it up, peel it, and you eat it. For a thousand years? Yeah. How do you know it's been in the ground for a thousand years? If you saw it. <laughs> okay. The egg is completely solid and it's gone through some color patterns it's it kind of looks almost like a marble and and not as uniform as a marble but it has sections of it where it's it's kind of marbly um and it, it the texture is kind of like uh all, all, like a rubber almost okay but it's del- it, it's rubber and delicate at the same time it's odd um it isn't foul um, but it's chicken. It's a fowl. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, um, you know, who starts a business? You know, I'm going to make these thousand year eggs. Hey, I that's guess a really long year. I to... guess I will never get to see the profit from it. <laughs> but my great, 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 great grandkids yeah. might. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it either. 
but we were there. Is it was I'm gonna have a, to do some. I'm gonna have to do some googling after. It was <laughs> a very authentic place. <laughs> we sat at this big table and it had this giant wheel in the middle, and we had like 35 different appetizers come out, and we just spun the wheel around, and just ate stuff, and we had chicken feet and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. I feel like the thousand year egg may be like done in 10 years or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's literally, literally just, they have a whole field of them <laughs> that have been there for years and years. Yep. They, they, you know, if there's only so many of them and you got to wait a thousand years, I would think that every each year one would be worth like, you know, 10, 10 grand or something, you know? I mean, you would think century eggs, also known as preserved eggs, hundred year eggs, thousand year eggs, thousand year old eggs, millennium eggs, skin eggs, or black eggs are a Chinese egg-based culinary dish made by preserving duck, chicken, or quail eggs and a mixture of clay, ash, salt, quick lime, and rice hulls for several weeks to several months. Ah. Uh, of processing. Sir, okay. you have been fibbed to. Well, <laughs> no. No one told me that. It I says, it, it says you... a thousand-year egg on the menu. And it does look pretty funky. And I never researched it. Looks it looks pretty funky. Yeah, here's so, a picture of one. Okay, so you weren't lied. They didn't charge you like twenty grand for yeah, it or anything. That's it. Here, show it to me. No, 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 no. It, it looks net. I can see it from here. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I can see why you say it has like a marble yeah. look to it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to eat it. Um. Oh my. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Wild. I never. I never researched. I never cared to. Um. Because. Uh, well, my Google food is strong. nerd. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I just took. I just took what it said on the menu with a grain of salt. Well, there you go. Or so he hook, line, and sinker. He put salt on the egg. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> right. So, which is something we talked about last week. Anyway. So, I guess we got to go to what? What's next? Uh, uh, the news. Yeah. 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 It's time for news with Nathan. So sometimes the news is very timely. Um, you know, for those of you who've been listening with us, you know, you, over the last week, we, we heard from Joshua Smith, Pastor Joshua, Joshua Smith, about the dangers of robotics and how we need to be involved in this conversation, particularly for the ethical concerns. And this week's news actually builds on that conversation where there was recently a drone attack over in Libya where the drone was... AI based. So it was basically launched uh, in a fire and forget it type method. So this drone goes up and it hunts its own people and would then shoot and, and fire on them and kill them. So that's the first time in human history that that type of killing has been made in the form of automation and given the power to AI, which is a very, very Scary thought. That's terrifying. Think of it. That's terrifying. I'm not even sure I'm comfortable with a, a a robot driving a car for me, much less going out and choosing who to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. And that's just some of the ethical concerns that that I mean, this is one of those you know lines in the sand that people have been waiting for it to be crossed. It was just a matter of time, and it's finally been crossed. Yeah. And uh, it's. It's not very hard for you to see how all these, like movies like The Terminator, right? Where the Skynet gains consciousness and just basically wipes out humanity. 
you, know, you can see how those particular types of storylines can come from modern technology like this. So now you're telling me that's all going to come true. Pretty soon we're going to be batteries. Just like the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's coming true. Yeah. Yeah, I did find it rather funny that there was a woman by the name of Sarah Connor who posted an article about a uh, robot in Germany that actually wound up killing somebody on accident. Uh, was no AI in that one, but she apparently had lost all cognizant recognition of who her, who, what her name was. You just don't mix those two together. That's funny. Hilarious. That is hilarious. Wow. That's scary. And you know, like they say about roaches where there's one, there's more. So that's not the only rogue drone that we have to worry about. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that they've been used in other ways that just haven't been leaked out to the media yet. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm glad that I believe that the second coming is coming pretty soon because that's that stuff gets pretty scary. And knowing that even if it does happen, we won't be here. That's a good thought. That's true. <laughs> and I mean, we we thought we were close before <laughs> when this new uh, leader in Israel is talking about it's time to build a third temple. This this is all the closer we are because. <clears throat> I think we're we'll gone before it's built. I I think you're probably right. Yeah, I'm not so sure. It's a guess. I mean, it's, it's a guess. guess it's a guess. But I'm not so it's sure. It's a guess. I think that the temple is going to have to be built first. Oh, f- first before before any before the ticket out of here. Happens. Oh, I gotcha. Well, according to the scripture, now the t- building of the temple doesn't mean the antichrist makes himself known, but we have to be gone before he does. Because we are the restrainer, and the restrainer must re- be removed before the Antichrist makes an appearance. Because if we're still I would, here... I would take issue with that, that I think his rise to power, he, he won't be able to complete that. But he may very well be on the planet, but not yet in the role of power. The church will, if the Antichrist makes himself, reveal, reveals himself... We will call him out and expose him, which will deter followers to him. So once we remove, there's nobody to really, I mean, there'll be people that were like, oh, I've been hearing about this, but I didn't believe it, but they're right. There's going to be that, but um, he's not going to stand a chance if the entire church is still on earth. I'm not saying that he'll be in power. Right. I'm saying that he will be present on the earth well he's present now that's my point is that if we're that close he he's currently up and coming mm-hmm. if we're that close he's it's just true. not yet on yeah. the world that yeah. would be true yeah that would be true i mean uh a jewish rabbi actually a few years ago has already said he's already having conversations with the messiah which is the antichrist because he thinks he's god well that makes See, me want to shut down the show and go make some disciples real quick. Word. Or uh, actually, we could just use the show to make some disciples. Ah, Ooh, let's that's do a both. great idea. All right, let's do it. Yay. Huh. Anyway, uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our topic, the Lukewarm Church. Hey, folks, we would like to say thank you to all of our subscribers for supporting the show. And if you're just finding us, We hope that you choose to subscribe and join us each week 
for some great discussion and lots of laughs. Now back to the show. Okay, so I have a Bible verse I want to read, and then we'll get into it. Jesus says in Revelation 3, 16, So then, I mean, I suppose I can go back one more verse, 15. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He says it all right there. I mean... So you're a cook. What good is lukewarm water? It's not. I want it cold or hot. And being on the fence isn't a good idea because that, that means you're lukewarm. You're, you can't have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. You have to jump in both feet and run because... You can't ride the fence. You can't. It's not comfortable. You ever sat on a fence? It hurts. <laughs> Especially if it's... Uh... A wood picket, picket fence. fence. <laughs> Woo! You, you might end up with an atomic wedgie. Well, it's going to feel like it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I was, when I became a believer, I mean, I, I was just like anybody else. I had so many vices. I did so many awful things in God's eyes. Um, no different than what most normal people do, but. That's not the way we are should, we should live. And when I decided that, okay, this is, God is real and Jesus is the way I'm following him. It was an immediate, I, I leaped over the fence. I was on a trampoline and just <laughs> jumped over the fence as quick as I could because I was studying prophecy and that's how, that's what convinced me that, okay, I, I'm, I'm in. And, uh, and the end's near. And so I need to, I'm making a decision right now. I'm following Christ because he is the way, the truth and the life. And, uh, I stopped everything. I stopped cursing. I stopped fornication. I stopped everything. My life completely changed. Basically repentance, which is do 180 degrees and turn your life around turn your life towards Jesus Christ and do the will of the father and follow him. And, uh, my life has never been better. So I'm so glad I did. I've got a little bit of a different experience because as far as I remember, I was always in the church. I grew up in the church. My mom was, uh, a very much a believer. Um, she led all of her kids to Christ and she did it right. And I remember being in the church there's photos of the old church I went to where on a Christmas of 1979, there's a picture of my mom on the front row and me over her shoulder. (laughs) So I've been in the church for a very long time. Um, But I still wrestle with the same temptations as everybody else. But as a Christian and and someone who gave my life very early, um, I I think I made my, my confession of faith, so to speak. There's kind of two of them. I remember being in like second grade and being in Bible study and uh, my teacher, Ken Woodruff, was talking about Christ and letting him into your your life. And I did. I remember thinking of that and say, okay, I'll do that. And then I also remember in seventh grade where I stood up and made a public profession. So that was something where it's always been there. So I didn't have that sudden drastic rec- recognition of everything that was wrong. I, mine was more gradual. 
But I will tell you this. Anytime I did something that I knew was against what I was being taught, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And you're, you you realize, okay, that was not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You can't continue in this. You can't keep doing this. There are many people out there who will ignore that alarm. And if you ignore that alarm, that voice gets quieter and quieter over a period of time until finally you're just basically left out on the out in the dark and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth mm-hmm. because you're just being completely disobedient. So to the listeners, I would say if you're one of those people who you know what you're doing is wrong according to what the Bible says and you're not feeling any kind of guilt, you are in dangerous waters, my friend. Repent. Yeah, when we're we're talking about this issue of lukewarmness, it's good to kind of go back and and kind of understand what Jesus is really trying to get across. This is John, this is John's revelation, the re- revelation given to John, and uh, he he sees in this you know kind of a he, he's seeing a lot of stuff in this like I don't know at a trance I guess I don't know exactly how to describe it, but uh, basically he sees Jesus and Jesus gives him these letters for the seven churches of Asia, one of them being the Church of Laodicea, which is what you're uh, where you read from mm-hmm. and to the Church of Laodicea, you know he, he basically pointing out the issues with all these churches and saying, hey, here's where you need to kind of come to grips and he, he you know out of all these seven churches six of them they get a little negative a little positive in the church of laodicea it was the only letter where it was kind of all bad all negative and he says he starts right off the top saying you know you guys think you got it all together but you're wretched you know you think you're satisfied but you're so off base and so he says you know i know what you do and you're neither hot nor cold you're sitting, and I'd rather you, you know, I, I, I'd rather you jump off that fence because right now you're making me sick. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'd, I, you make me want to spit you out of my mouth. And so, you know, I think why this is so relevant to our modern day church is that there's never been a time to me in history as I read, you know, about history, as I see our modern day church, we see a lot of parallels between the church of Laodicea and the modern day church in America. We are a satisfied people. We're satisfied with coming to church once a week, maybe not. I mean, it's optional, right? You don't have to go to church every week. At least that's what people think. And you just go once in a while, semi-regularly. You give your tithe once in a while. I mean, not 10%, but, you know, give some money, you know, even if it really is only 1% of your income, but still, you know, just do this minimal and at least we'll feel good about life. And, you know, we, we, we love Jesus on the weekend because it makes us feel like, you know, we've got a future in heaven, but at the same time, we like us some world too. Mm-hmm. And we want to feel we want to have fun. You know, we don't want to be a fuddy-duddy. We don't want to be a religious fanatic. And so I think that we have more fence straddlers in our church today than we might care to think is really true. You know, we, we might, I think we, we always overestimate how many Christians are in the average church or how many true Christ followers. There's a lot of believers in church, people that believe that Jesus exists, but you know, James says, Hey, demons believe that that Jesus exists. What credit is that to you? You got to, you know, you got to do more than just believe. And so I think that we would be shocked 
if we really knew how many true Christ followers are in the churches out there. And I believe there are very few. Jesus said, you know, the path is narrow and few ever find it. And I think that makes us you know, we have to get back to looking and taking a hard look at ourselves and say, are we living a life that would indicate that we're walking that narrow path? Because it should be way different than everybody else. And so uh, the danger with this whole lukewarm thing, Jesus said, you're not, you're not cold, you're not hot, you're lukewarm. Well, what does that mean? What, what is he saying? I'd rather you be cold or hot. Well, a lot of people will say, well, Cold is good, hot is good, lukewarm is bad, right? Cold water's great. Cold, you know, cold Coke is good. Coca-Cola, that is, <laughs> is good. But, you know, hot coffee is good. Hot tea is good. But any of those lukewarm are going to be bleh, right? Even cold coffee is good. People like cold coffee. They like hot coffee. But when it's in the middle, it's just bleh, right? Well, so what does that really mean? Well, a lot of people interpret that to say, well, if you're cold, that's still good. So he's not talking to non-Christians. And I don't think that's correct. No. I believe what he's saying is that I'd rather you choose the world and choose Satan and just get it over with. Because when you're sitting in church every week, calling yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, number one, you're setting a terrible example. You're making the world think that the church is full of hypocrites and you're showing the world a powerless, quote unquote, I got air quotes gone here, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so I think he's saying, you know what? Do us all a favor and choose. Right. Get Get off the fence. Either choose Satan, choose the world, get off on that side of the fence, and that way when you go to hell, you'll know why you're there, or choose me. And, you know, and, and then enjoy, enjoy, either way, you're enjoying something fully for a while, right? Mm-hmm. E- either A, you're, if you jump off onto the side of the world, well, at least you can, you can fully enjoy the world and, until you die, uh, you know, because a person sitting on the fence, they're not enjoying anything. They, they have just enough of the world not to enjoy God, and they've got just enough of God where they're not enjoying the world because they feel bad about it. Right. He's saying this, there, nothing good comes from sitting on the fence. So guys, just get off the fence. And I think that's a word for our church today. We need to get off the fence. And I think more people are on, in fact, many of our listeners might be on the fence. And here's the dangerous part about being on the fence. I cannot find any biblical evidence to guarantee where I would feel good about saying, if you're on the fence, at least you're saved. Because I am not feeling that. The fact is, is that with the teachings of Jesus, you got you to gotta be hot. You got to be all in or you're not in at all. Secondly, what does he say? He says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. And that's, that's exact opposite of when he says, when the father gives me someone, they're in my hand and no one can pluck me out. Mm-hmm. In this case, he's saying, I want to spit you out. Right. So I'm, I'm just not feeling that. So I really believe that a person that is on the fence, I, what I really believe is that the fence is in the world. And if we, the whole fence is in the world and until we jump off, we're not there. Right. And I think there's this big misconception of people that haven't decided to take that full leap over, um, that once they do enter a full commitment of Christianity and following Christ, that life's just all of a sudden dull 
And that's that's so far from the truth. <laughs> that it's, couldn't be farther from the it's truth. It's so far from the truth. I still enjoy my life. Um, I still laugh every day and we play music every week and I still ride my bike down the road and enjoy the beauty of God's creation and the smell of the air and the blue skies and the wind. And you just have a deeper appreciation for that. Yeah, you definitely have a deeper appreciation. And let me tell you something else. Diving into the word is exciting. Um, if I didn't know the Bible was so good, I'd have read it years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. When I, when I opened, when I cracked that sucker open the first time and started reading it, I was like, wow, this is not what I expected. I did not expect what I got. I did not even come close to think those words were going to be in there. It was incredible. And, uh, it's absolutely the best I've written. I've read hundreds of books best one yet <laughs> absolutely well For you know sure. why you know why most of us don't jump off the fence it's it, a lot of pastors i've heard say well it's because we're afraid to give up stuff ah i don't know that it's that's the most important thing i i think we're all willing to give up stuff to get something that's better yeah you know I mean, we're willing to give up money to have something really nice, right? We're willing to give up our time to get a degree. We're, we're okay with sacrifice as long as we know it's gone somewhere. I think the real problem is, is that we don't know how good it is to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a step of faith before you appreciate it. And so it's like, well, okay, do I really want to jump off the fence? And that's why the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And I, I think there's a, a couple of verses that point this out so clearly. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Okay? Now here, right off the bat, he's saying sacrifice yourself. Be a living sacrifice. In other words, let God do anything with you he wants. You know, basically become a slave of Christ, as Paul said. Okay, the kind he will find acceptable. Well, all of a sudden we're like immediately as humans, who wants to be a slave to anybody? Who wants to be a sacrifice, right? And then he goes on to say, this is truly the way to worship him. Most people would say, well, who cares? Now he goes on to say, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Here's the key. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What is it telling you there? You got to make the plunge first before you're ever going to know how good it is. Mm-hmm. And so that therein lies the problem. We've got all these people in churches all over America, probably all over the world, sitting on the fence, probably heading for hell, probably... F- falsely convinced that everything's okay, satisfied, kind of like the church in Laodicea, all the while they're doing it just because they don't know how good it is. And, you know, to our listeners today, I say, you know what? Take the risk. Take the risk. Take that step of faith. I mean, when you're out standing by a pool and it's, you dip your finger in and it seems cold, you think, ah, I don't want to get in there. It's too cold. And it's not until you jump in fully 
that all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is fun and you don't want to get out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it is to be a Christian. You know, we dip our finger in, oh, he's going to make us work. Oh, he's going to make us give up sin. Oh, it's going to be boring. I'm going to have to go to church. But if you just jump in, you're going to find out, man, this is fun. And you're going to be one of those kids that doesn't want to get out of the pool. Yeah. (laughs) I can kind of second that a little bit because, you know, when I first started leading Bible study, it was, I first looked at it as a chore. Like I got to do all this work. And now it's something I look forward to every week. It, it's, it's, I, I go so deep in the studies and I love to then share it. And the results that come from the Holy Spirit as part of that process is just so amazing. I, I wish I'd started doing it sooner. And I've been doing that now for about five years. And I don't think I'm ever going to stop because it's just something that brings, brings me joy and brings me closer to God as part of the process. Mm-hmm. So I'm lean into it, folks. Lean into it. It, yeah, it's, it's deep and it's good. I tell you, and there's nothing more satisfying than knowing that you have the protection of the Father. He looks after you once you're fully in, like 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 never before. And there's a lot of scary things going on in the world right now. And when you're a Christ follower, you really don't have that fear. Right. Um, right. When you're, when you're not, you're, you're, you're worried, you're fearful, you're wondering what's going to happen from one day to the next. And when you're in his arms, the, the worst thing that can happen is not being in his arms. Cause you know, if your life ends right now, that you are going to be in heaven being swept up by the loving Heavenly Father. So in other words, you're saying that the worst thing that can happen to you is the best thing that can happen to you. Absolutely. <laughs> How can you go wrong? And that's exactly. Right. <laughs> it is amazing. It is, it is truly amazing. Just know that Jesus is worth anything you'd ever have to give up. And you're going to have to take my word for it uh, because until you jump. And I know some of you might, listeners out there might say, you know, ah, oh, boy, what if I jump and then I can't handle it? Here's the thing never worry about not being able to to make it, not be able to handle it. Because once you jump off the fence, the Holy Spirit comes into you and then it's God's job to, to do what, you know, we all in the church call sanctification, the process of making you better. The fact is when you jump off the fence, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you because the Holy Spirit no longer, you know, God doesn't reside in temples anymore. He resides in us. We are the temple. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Bible says that, that God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us, well, the Holy Spirit, who is God, gives us the power, the desire first, and the power to do what pleases him. And so we don't, we don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't, we don't try to do good. Now the Holy Spirit leads us right. to do good, which is an amazing thing. Right. And, and it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. I mean, I find that being living a righteous life is effortless. It's not okay. I'm going to do really good today. You know, it's, you just do. You just are. I mean, because you're being led by the Spirit and everything. Right. And he's producing some really good stuff in your life like joy, mm-hmm. peace. Patience. Patience for when you're out there driving. Wisdom. <laughs> Standing in lines at Walmart. Right. And you know, there's every, every believer is in a different stage of their walk of faith. Right. And, you know, so if there are these things that you know that, that God's calling on you to change in your life, lean into it because he, he's got some, 
really great rewards waiting for you if you do. Oh, yeah. And if you're afraid of getting started because you fear that he's going to take away everything, just get started anyway. Because he'll start working on you and he will help you prioritize what is the most important thing. Just listen to the spirit. Some stuff. Very heavy, though. You feel like maybe after all that heavy, it's time for some fun? For sure. What do you think? I think in Bible Jeopardy, round two. All right, I get the privilege of hosting this uh, eve or this day's Bible Jeopardy, and our contestants are Nate and Jason. Are you ready to begin, gentlemen? Yes, sir. What are the categories? All right, the categories are people, places, events, books of the Bible, and knowledge. And we got to decide. We'll let Jason go first since it's his first time. All right, there you go. That sounds good. That's very gracious of you. So, Jason, choose and choose wisely. Let's do, these are tough categories. I should have picked a different one. Uh, Books of the Bible for 100. Books of the Bible for 100. What is the first book of the Bible? What is Genesis? What is Genesis? And I'm learning how to do this. There you go. What is Genesis? And then I have to hit what? Back? Oh, menu? The, the escape. The, oh, oh, there you go. I see it. Very good. All right. Uh, on to you, Nathan. Yeah. Books of the Bible for 200. Books of the Bible for 200. How many books of the Bible starts with the letter R? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's a $200 one. Wow. Yowza. Maybe there's only one. <laughs> books of the Bible that begin with the letter R. I can think of two right off the bat. I don't know how much time I'm supposed to give you here. We don't have a timer, so. All right, let's just go two. All right. And. All right, how many? Uh, Jason? Three. Three is correct. <laughs> Ruth, Romans, and <laughs> Revelation. Ruth, of course. Yowza. All right, next, Jason. Let's do uh, people for 100. People for 100. What was the name of the mother of Jesus? Who is Mary? Who was Mary is certainly correct. All right, and next, Nate. Let's do people for 200. People for 200. Which disciple betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? It had to be such a Judas. That is correct. Very good. All right. And you are back to zero. Jason. Um, people for 300. People for 300. Who killed Goliath? David. Who is David? Who is David is correct. Nate. Let's go for people for 400. People for 400. Which judge of Jesus said, I find not fault in this man? Which judge of Jesus? That would be uh, who was Pontius Pilate. That is correct. Jason. Let's go places for 100. Places for 100. In what city was Jesus born? Where was, uh, what is Bethlehem? That is correct. Very good. I wasn't sure how to phrase it. Nathan. All right, let's go with places 200. Places for 200. What was the name of the promised land? Israel? All right, I'm going to take an issue with this. Go ahead. What's this? 
Oh, wait. Do you know the answer, Jason? I don't know, but hang on. For our listeners, Jason is praying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for Holy Spirit intervention. What was Jerusalem? The answer is, what is Canaan? Ah, Canaan. So, it was the. it later became known as the land of Israel, which is not necessarily wrong, but I will take my loss like a man. <laughs> That's very, that is, uh, wait a minute. Very nice. What in, it, Canaan is what, what the in, name it, of the land was prior to the Jews coming there. Okay. But it was also Palestine at one point. No. That, well, it was after Rome destroyed right. Israel. Right. All right. Now we start back with you, Jason. Okay. Let's do knowledge for 100. Knowledge for 100. How did Jesus die? Crucifixion. He was crucified. He was crucified. Very good. And Nate. Let's do places for 300. Places for 300. What was the name of the holy city? Jerusalem. That is correct. And Jason. Okay. Um, Let's do events for 200. Events for 200. While on a boat heading to another side, Jesus did what? He slept. That is not correct. Well, technically it is correct. Well, technically it is he correct. He, that yeah. is not That's another one, kind of like mine. All right, so, uh, all right, read the question again, because I'm sure it's... While on a boat heading to the other side, Jesus did what? Calmed a storm. That is correct. Calmed the storm. He probably <sighs> ate, too. He probably slept. I mean, he did a lot of things. He probably did a lot of things. But, but, but it's even in the Bible that sleep. he slept. It is yeah, true. It's true. I did not write this question, that's, that's nor the like, answer. That's, that's so, like that's that one so unfair. Yeah, it is. It Israel. is. Okay. Darn you, Jeopardy. Um, All right. So at least we both took one of those. Now yeah. we are to you, Nate. All right. Then um, let's, do, uh, let's do events for 300. Events for 300. I guess sleeping isn't an event. <laughs> that's fair. I didn't think about that. There you that's go. Fair. I didn't think about that. Okay. Good thinking. How many days and nights... Did Jesus stay in the wilderness? 40. That is correct. What was that one? Events for three? Mm-hmm. Events for 300. And back to you, Jason. What's the score right now? The score is Jason 900, Nathan 1000. Ooh, Ooh, very close. Neck and neck. Let's do events for 400. Oh, it's a daily double. It's our daily double. <laughs> events for 400. <laughs> <laughs> on the day Jesus fed 5,000 people, how many fish and loaves did he use? What was, wait a minute, Say it, one more, please repeat the question, answer. <laughs> on, on the day Jesus fed 5,000 people, how many fish and loaves did he use? What was five? Five what? Fish and loaves. <laughs> is yeah. it is it two, is it a number of each? Like how many fish and how many loaves? Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, I think okay. I'll allow that clarification. Okay. Yeah. So um, how many fish and how many loaves? Three fish, two loaves. That is incorrect. Five Eight. and two. Five what? Loaves of bread, and two fish. That is correct. Yeah. Now that I hear it. Now All that right. I hear it. Moving right along. That's what I get for stealing the Daily Double. That's exactly what you get for that. <laughs> I mean, that's unfair. Oh, so. <laughs> I think I should have had you decide. Uh, then I wouldn't know when to hit the button. Uh, it's fine. Okay. <clears throat> that's okay. fine. So. Whatever. 
That takes <laughs> us back to Nathan. Let's do places for 400. Places for 400. What was the name of the city God told Jonah to go to before he was swallowed by the big fish? Nineveh. Nineveh is correct. Jason. Let's do knowledge for 200. Knowledge for 200. There we go. How long was Jonah in the belly of a whale? What was three days? That is correct. Nathan? Let's do events for 100. Events for 100. What did Jesus do to the water at the wedding feast? He turned it into wine. He certainly did. Certainly. Jason? Um, knowledge for 300. Knowledge for 300. What was the... I'm sorry, what was the names of the three Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace? No idea. And Nathan? All right, so I'm going to start off with the VeggieTales song. I'm Rack, I'm Shaq, I'm Benny. That's right. <laughs> it's a Shadrach, Meshach, and a Bendigo. That is correct. Yeah, I never got that. I never watched VeggieTales either. <laughs> all right, and now we are back to you, Nathan. Um, I think all we have left is uh, 400 for books of the Bible, 400 for knowledge, and then 500 in every category. And actually, we have uh, 300 and 400 books of the Bible, right, 400 knowledge, and the rest of it. 500 is already taken? We'll do 300 for uh, books of the Bible. All None. the fives are open. Yeah, all the fives are books open. Books of the Bible for? 300. 300. All right. And click, click. There we go. Which book of the Bible has the most chapters? <clears throat> Absolutely. I wish I'd taken that one. I that was that. a pretty easy one there. Yeah. Jason? Books of the Bible for 400. Books of the Bible for 400. In what book of the Bible would you find a story about a man thrown into a lion's den? The book of Daniel. Very good. The book of Daniel. Nathan? Knowledge for 400, please. Y'all are avoiding those 500s, aren't you? <laughs> they were tough. Yeah. What type of animal did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on? Dang it. That was a gift. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to say it. <laughs> but, uh, I'll, keep it I'll keep it colorful or less colorful. Less the, King Jesus. All right. So uh, the donkey. <laughs> Very good. All right. Jason, what will it be for 500? Um, books of the Bible for 500. Books of the Bible for 500. Name five, oh my goodness, name five of the eight books of the Bible that has a one, has a one and two part, first and second part. Oh, five wow. of the eight. Okay. Uh, first and second, John. First and second, Thelosians. Thilos, Thil, <laughs> Thelosians. Thil, thank you. First and second, Corinthians. There's three. Two more. Come on, man. You got this. First and second, Peter. One more. The crowd is sweating. Others. Well, yeah, you got, you got three, three in the Old Testament and one more in the New. First and second, Timothy. You got it. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> he just jumped out so, of his chair, did a backflip. For the Woo. Old Testament, I was thinking of first and second Chronicles, first and second Kings, and I couldn't figure out the third one. Samuel. Samuel. Uh, Samuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samuel. Fantastic. All right. Wow. Well done, sir. Wow. Well done. All right. So we got 500 for, for uh, people, places, events, or knowledge. All right. Let's do events. Events for 500. During what Jewish season was Jesus crucified? Passover. Very nice. That is exactly correct. That was a lot easier, actually, probably than yours. 
Knowledge, places, or people for 500. I thought knowledge was done. No, sir. Didn't you do knowledge? It's still open. Oh, I, I promise you. Okay. Let's do knowledge. Knowledge for 500 it is. Jesus spit of the... Jesus spit of the ground. Okay, I'm going to say on. Jesus spit on the ground and made clay to perform what miracle? Healing of sores. That is incorrect, Nathan. Healed the blind man. Healed the blind man. I knew that is healing. correct. I should have said healing. <laughs> All right, Nathan, back to you, sir. Places. P- places for 500. What was the name of the island that John was marooned on? Patmos. Patmos is correct. And finally, that was Jason, a trivia question you got the last for. one. People for 500. Which gospel writer was a doctor? That would be who was Luke. Who was Luke? Very good. All right. And the victor today is Nathan, 4,800 to 1,300. Really? That was, yeah, you got to. Spanking? Is that wrong to say on a podcast? Um, <laughs> That's okay, because I took my beating like a man last time. I did way better than he did in the last yes, one. Yes, <laughs> he did. I, I did uh, not do very I well. I was in the positive. You were all. in the positive. Um, that is I'm surprised it was that big a gap, because I was picking a lot of the low lower sure. ones. Yeah, I, I, was trying to, now, I was trying to build up. I was right, doing and the then, same thing. I was, I was picking... We avoided the 400s and 500s for the longest time. Yeah. I, I did not want to dig myself a hole I couldn't get out of. Yeah, and I missed the five and a four, the, and, and that kind of hurt me. Too, yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah. Did you give me two negatives on that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, good, so, good, good, you, good game. You needed that, was that fun. daily double is what I'm saying. I did need you that. Needed it that it daily still double. wouldn't have helped. So. But. All right. Awesome. That was fun. What's next, senor? Oh, Let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to find the button. <laughs> Songs of the week. Song of the week. Song of the week. Oh yeah. Song of the week. Am I fired? I'm pretty sure I'm fired for that, right? <laughs> no, but you are in final written warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Would you like to start, Rick? I certainly would love to start. So today's song of the week comes from a a group that has a a very uh, special place in my heart, a group by the name of Fireflight. They are kind of also the, uh, very similar to last uh, week, I picked something from kind of a heavier rock band, Christian rock band, uh, and they are certainly that. Um, And the song is called I Won't Look Back. And this song is kind of cool because, uh, you know, not every Christian song is a worship song. We think of Christian music as just worship. Well, this one here really talks about uh, people who are kind of in dark places, and it's because they're being lied to. You know, the enemy, the world, Satan often lies to us and puts us in a dark place. And all we need is the truth to set us free. And just a little quick look at the lyrics. Um, I was feeling powerless, searching for a sign when I heard you whisper, lies are like the hourglass running out of time. You played me to shame me. Isn't that the devil, right? Breaking me, taking me over. I've come to take back what is stolen. Your power is broken. I'll drop a match in the shadow as you explode. I won't look back. 
Nice. The whole song just talking about, you know, and that that's, and I pray that for everybody, every listener out there, that you'll stop listening to lies of the world, lies of the enemy, even lies of ourselves sometimes when we say we can't do things because with Christ all things are possible. And don't, and just crush the enemy and don't look back. Awesome. That's right. Moving on. What's next? You're up next, Jason. Oh, okay. Uh, my song is Set a Fire by Jesus Culture. Um, and it really, it really speaks to what we were talking about earlier about um, jumping in and, and following Christ and getting that fire down inside. Uh, set a fighter. Do set we a f- have time for you to read all those lyrics from that song? Uh, no. <laughs> Do we? That's a, that's a joke. Okay. There's like what, one line in that song? <laughs> is it? Oh, it is. <laughs> yes. I didn't realize that. Okay, anyway. Set a fire <laughs> down in my soul. I mean, it says it over and over again. So, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Because I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And those are the lyrics. But you know, they're so powerful, there's really no need for more lyrics. Yeah. I mean, it says it all right there. I never realized that. (laughs) That's modern worship songs for you folks. It is the, (laughs) the, uh, probably the shortest song we do, but yet so powerful. So my song is a a little more... um, What's the word I'm looking for here? It's a little more reflective, I guess. Um, Reflective. It it is by Mercy Me. It's called Finally Home. So this is kind of an older one. And here's how it starts. I'm going to wrap my arms around my daddy's neck and tell him that I missed him. And tell him all about the man that I became and hope that it pleased him. There's so much I want to say. There's so much I want you to know when I finally make it home. And it's just a really... Really well done song that'll, it'll touch your spirit. Nice. Heck yeah. Awesome. Any final thoughts, Pastor? And now that you ask, I actually do have a final thought. And today's final thought comes to us uh, from Revelation chapter (laughs) three. (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine that. (laughs) I, I picked this. Well before, I mean, in fact, I wasn't even thinking about anything. This was just happenstance. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit, right? There you go. But uh, from a human perspective, this would be called a quinky dink. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. (laughs) That's the technical term, (laughs) y'all. Yes. Uh, Chapter 20, sorry, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. From the New Living Translation says this, Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. And I want to. I want us to think about this today. I don't. You know. I don't know if you're a fence straddler right now. I don't know if you are a complete non-believer. Um, you know, it doesn't even matter if you are a fully on fire believer. There's still more. You know, there's still more. Jesus wants to reveal Himself. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is love. And in fact, Paul, when he's crying out and praying over the church in Ephesus, he says, I pray that somehow you will, ex- you, you will begin to understand the intensity of God's love. He goes on to say, nobody can fully understand it, but I hope you can kind of understand how high, how deep, how wide, how just crazy awesome it is. And he said, only then when you experience the love of God, will you truly be made complete. And so Jesus, he's standing at the door and he's saying, I want to show you 
what real love is. I want to show you how good it is to know me. I want to show you things that are going to blow your mind. And he says, I'm standing here. And if you'll just, I'm knocking. And if you'll just let me in, I'll come in and we'll share a meal and we'll fellowship. And I'm going to show you things that's going to be amazing. So I, I just, uh, I just encourage everybody today that is listening to just hear the knock and open the door. You're going to have to take a risk. Yeah. You're going to have to take a leap of faith. Yeah. You're going to have to risk losing some stuff. But let me tell you, Jesus is worth anything that you're going to have to give up. Amen. Got anything to add? No, that's a wonderful way to end it. Fantastic. Um, Folks, thank you so much for joining this episode. Oh, what a blast. Um, I'm really liking the Bible Jeopardy game. Yeah, I think it's working pretty well. I think so too. I'm looking forward to next week with my, uh, my revenge against Rick. I've got to do better. Yeah. Well, yeah. As soon, Tune as, in. as soon as I leave here, I'm going to start reading in Genesis and I'm going to try to get through the uh, last chapter of Revelation by next week. So I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, be sure to tune in next week for the head to head battle of the winners of Bible Jeopardy and see how that turns out. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please do. If you're new, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stick around for more. Um, that's it. This has been For the Love of God and you have an amazing rest of your day. God Say good night, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.